This morning, we're going to continue with our Faith Over Fear series. We've been in, involved in this since August. Man, how many of you have heard of a series going this long? Weeks and weeks and weeks. Marvin has. Yay. Why, why, why are we doing Faith Over Fear so long? Because it's important. It's important. It's a part of our life as followers of Jesus Christ. They are intentionally choosing faith over fear. Because we live in a world we are captivated by ways that cause us to shrink back. That no, don't take a risk. Don't take a chance in faith. Take a risk. Take a chance in business opportunities. Take a risk. Take a chance in love. Many of us have said, yeah, I I did that. I'm here and that's why I'm here. But often the world says, hey, reject the idea of faith. And so we have to choose faith rather than the fear of not choosing. That we get to have this journey of stepping in and saying, okay, I may not know who God is. I may not understand what Jesus has done for me, but I'm going to start this journey. I'm going to start this road trip of being with him. And so we've, we've gone through, we're going through the book of Mark. So if you have your hard copy Bibles, looks like this. Uh, just a joke. We're going to be in Mark chapter 12 this morning. Mark chapter 12 is where we are at. This is a common story that many people have heard Jesus share and talk about. This morning, I hope to provide some clarity and a little bit of uh, a different spin or a different idea on this, a different take. This morning, we're talking about generosity. So Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 41. We'll do 41 through 44. Says this, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but... A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you this. This poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, putting in everything, all she had to live on. Lord, may the words that have been prepared this morning be from you not just from me and what I think, but from what, what you want us to hear this morning. We love you, Jesus. We ask these things in your name. Amen. A little background, Jesus. This is the last week of Jesus' life. So the end of, of the book of Mark here is coming into the end of Jesus' life, the last week. We've already had the triumphal entry where people laid down the palm branches and were like, Hosanna, Hosanna. It's walking into the stadium of people, basically kind of like, yeah. And now Jesus is hanging out basically at the, the, the old school church. He's hanging out at the temple. And he sees, he's watching people coming in and, and giving their gifts. And he sees this widow do, do, uh, give her, fun, her finances. So this morning we're, we're clearly talking about what? Money generosity our finances now let's let's put out a disclaimer let's just put out that statement let's just let's just clear the elephant in the room of course it's moral and acceptable to donate large amounts of money to a church or to a ministry christian organizations really appreciate generosity 
But today, this morning, the point, the idea of the story is Jesus is merely using this as an opportunity to explain that the sacrificial posture of this woman's heart is more precious to God than all the gold and silver the rich men give. God already owns the entire world. What he really wants is our faithfulness. He already owns everything. He wants our faithfulness. That's what this is about this morning. This is not about, hey, you got to give to the church. Hey, you got to give to Christian organizations. Hey, you got to do this. You got to do that. This morning is, hey, be faithful to him. Be faithful to him. Give yourself to the Father this morning. All of yourself. So this, the word says, at least my translation said, that she put in a few copper coins only worth a few cents. So let's kind of dive into that. What is the extent of how much she gave? Just because who likes numbers in here? I do. So to me, it's like, okay, a few cents. Well, I'm an American and we have cents or pennies. Did she really give just a few pennies? Well, how much did she give? So as we study and dive into this, a copper, the copper coins the woman offered were the Greek lepta. So her two coins added up to a quote-unquote penny in the Greek kodrat. See, I, I really have a hard time with some of these words. Kodratnes, K-O-D-R-A-N-T-E-S. So 64 of these kodratnes would make up a denarius or a day's wage for labor. So one denarii, one denarii, is a day's worth of, of labor. So 380 karatnas would make up a shekel. So this lady gave just a few of these. So that denarii was 380 karatnas, and she only gave two. Two out of 380. That's a pretty expansive difference so let's bump it up to to here in sweden okay so we deal with kroner or crowns right i i kind of estimate the average wage here in sweden is roughly thirty-five thousand crowns a month now i realize some of you say i'm not making that yet i realize somebody like i'm way past that we're all in different areas so i just took the the average wage thirty-five thousand crowns per month if you make 35,000 crowns per month, you're making roughly 1,615 crowns a day. 1,615 crowns. So the equivalent for us of what she gave for a day's wage is 25 crowns. Doesn't seem like a lot, does it? To just donate 25 crowns. Yet Jesus says... These folks gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, putting in everything she had to live on. Jesus was way more impressed by her 25 crowns than the other guy's 1,615 crowns because it wasn't a big deal for them. But for her, it was a big deal. Now, a little bit more diving into this. Jesus is hanging out in the temple. This is an area, this is the part of the temple that women were allowed to be a part of. So clearly she was okay being in this area. It's where you could give. It's not an offering, the sacrificial part, the animal that you had to give so your sins could be forgiven. She was going above and beyond that aspect. 
So the chest or the, the portion that she gave it, put her coins in, was one of six ded dedicated to the free will offerings. So there's these chests that were out that people could put in money just as an offering, as a free will of, hey, there's no obligation for me to give, but I'm going to give to the church. And so that's what she was doing. This means she had no obligation, but it's interesting to know that Jesus honored her offering and does not try to stop her. We don't know her situation. We don't know if she had family that she had to support, kids, relatives, husband. We don't know any of those things. But what we do know is that God, Jesus saw her heart in wanting to give. That she wanted to give to God and trust him for her, with her life. See, Matthew 6, said, Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom, that is the Father's kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. The context of that is talking about worrying and how if, if God cares for the birds of the air and the grass in the field, how much more is he going to care for you, his child? See, this woman, Jesus, Jesus gives us insight. It, she gave everything she had. She chose to give to God. She wasn't forced. Nobody manipulated her. She chose to give to God. Why? Because she loved God and she trusted him. She was trusting God to care for her, to provide for her needs, to put food on her table, to give her a bus car to get to and from, or donkey card maybe. She was trusting God. When Jesus indicates that this widow gave more, he wasn't necessarily re referring to the percentage of assets, but the attitude which, which she gave. The attitude is also seen in this chief tax collector earlier on in, in Luke chapter 19. We see the story of Jesus coming, coming to town and this tax collector, Zacchaeus. Now, I, I knew him as a little boy as Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. Now, I'm just kind of more or less wrapping it, but there's an actual song. And, and Rachel, maybe she's willing to get up and sing it for us. <laughs> but she knows it because I saw her <laughs> doing the lyrics. But as a little kid, I learned the song that this little man, little man, short guy, Zacchaeus, climbed up in a tree to see Jesus coming because he had heard about this man and he saw this man was coming. And the words of Jesus impacted this, this man so much that he climbed down from his tree and ran up to Jesus and said, Jesus, come over to my house. I want to hear more of what you have to say. And the words of Jesus impacted this man's life so much that he said, you know what, Jesus? I realize I have done wrong to my people. Now, Zacchaeus was a Jewish guy. He was a tax collector, meaning he worked for the Roman government, meaning he worked for the bad guys, according to the Jews. They did not like the Romans. And they didn't like people that collected money for the Romans. And Zacchaeus would often take more than what was required. We know that because Zacchaeus said, Jesus, I've done wrong. And because of your words, I'm going to give back four times the amount of wrong that I've done to someone. So if Zacchaeus overcharged you 100 crowns on your taxes, he was going to give you 400 back. 
And he also said, I'm going to also give half of what I have to the, to, to the church, to, to God. The words of Jesus impacted this man so greatly that his attitude was a joyous attitude. Lord, I'm going to fix what I've done and I'm going to go above and beyond that because of what you have done for me. It was his attitude. It was not an obligation. Jesus didn't come say, hey, Zacchaeus, come down for that tree. You owe a lot of these people a lot of money. Jesus didn't do any of that. Jesus never asked Zacchaeus to give back any finances. It was all out of Zacchaeus' own heart to make it right with the Lord and to please the Lord. No doubt such generosity didn't place Zacchaeus in the same poverty bracket as this widow, but his attitude was the same. Yet we see another version, another story in the Bible in Acts chapter 5. I'm going to read it for you this morning that denotes a much different attitude. Now a man named Ananias together with his wife Sapphira, so this is Acts chapter 5 verse 1, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back some of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. So, so far, nothing terrible. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept yourself kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not just lied to the human beings, but to God. So in this moment, Ananias was trying to be like everybody else and, and to give to the church so that he sold some property. But he was trying to be deceptive about it and to boast himself and put himself out there. Hey, I sold this property for 100,000 crowns and here's that 100,000 crowns. When in reality, maybe he sold it for 120 and kept the 20 for himself. Peter's saying, hey, there's nothing wrong with what you did. It was your land to begin with, but it's your attitude that stinks. Verse five, when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife, Sapphira, came in, not knowing what had happened. This is when in, the, in Hollywood movies you'd hear, dun, dun, dun. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that's the price. Peter said to her, how could you com, com, uh, conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down dead at his feet. Then the young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Again, this story is not to bring fear, but this story is to help us understand God wants our hearts. For these two individuals, what they sold their land for doesn't matter. But it was about their desire to deceive and to put themselves out there to look greater to other people. There's not, it would not have been a problem if they had held back money and said, hey, we sold it for 120, but here's 100. We're hanging on to 20 for ourselves. People would be like, all right, cool. Sounds good. 
Fantastic. Thank you for your fantastic gift. We really appreciate it. But it's the fact that their attitude was to deceive, to look better than what they were. So this wo widow, did she have to give all of what she had? Did, did she need to give her last 25 crowns? Of course not. When Ananias and Sapphira, when they donated the money they earned from sell selling land, God didn't strike them down because they withheld, but because they lied about it. Their intention was personal pride, not support for God. This lady, this widow, desired to support God and give to him. She, she was giving to God and to his temple. She trusted God to take care of her. She doesn't offer some of the abundant resources that she owns. She offered her whole self. Church, get that. She offered her whole self. Several weeks ago, we talked about the rich young ruler, about how he came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, hey, kind of summed up the Ten Commandments. And he said, yeah, I've done that. I've been there. I've done that. I, I keep the Ten Commandments well. Jesus said, but you need to then go ahead and, and give everything away. Because Jesus was trying to get at the heart of the issue. This man had his wealth above God. Yeah, he served God, but he, he loved his money in a greater way. And Jesus wasn't necessarily trying to, trying to get rich off this young man, but he was trying to get to the heart of, hey, you have something else before God. His idolatry. Mark chapter 8, 36 says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what, or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus is really trying to get at the heart of the issue. Are you giving yourself? Are you allowing God to have all of who you are? Not just some time here and there. Not just your Sunday mornings. But are you willing to give God your entire life and to follow him in all areas? Finances included. And that's the hardest area. I know because it's hard for me as well. It is not easy when it's like, okay, bills are right here and everything that we have comes in right there. But if I give to God, then I drop down a little bit. Do I have faith that God will provide or do I give into my fear and just give God just a little bit or none at all because I need to make sure I have a little left over to carry me through because, you know, kids cost money. Cars cost money. I just don't know what might happen. I'm afraid of the future. This is a hard, hard area sometimes for us to put full faith in. I know. I understand. Today, this is not a discussion about how much you should be giving to the Lord whether it's 10% or what God puts on your heart. Today, it's about our attitude. Our attitude in dealing with our finances. Our attitude in, in dealing with the Lord in general. So my hope for our takeaways this morning, Derek, if you want to just play something for us. My hope in what you receive and what you're walking away with today are, are three things. First, I hope that you hear 
that God wants to be first in your life. Mark 12, 30 says, the greatest command is to love the Lord your God. Talked about it two weeks ago. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Every part of who you are, God wants. And he wants all of it. Number two, I hope that when you do give of your finances, that you give joyfully. Now I have a thought on what you should give because of what I've studied in the Bible, not just because I'm pastor, not just because I'm leading the church. Some would argue there's the 10%. Some would argue Jesus abolished the 10% and that we should give what the Lord puts on our heart. That's not what I'm here to discuss. I'm here to say when God speaks to you about giving, I hope you do it with a joyful heart, even if you know it's going to hurt. Even if you know. We've been experiencing a lot of that lately in our, in our home of giving because God asks us to give. But then we're also experiencing the joy on the other side. Okay, it hurts. Like this last week, we, someone just said, hey, from the missions team that we just had, hey, we raised a little bit of extra to come to Sweden. And we just want to give you that extra. Okay, thank you. Not because I prayed a magic prayer over them. Not because I I did something so fantastic and great with them. God spoke to them, not me. I I didn't get up one night in our team meeting and say, I'm just a poor missionary, please, I need your money. Didn't do that at all. But it's because God cares about me. And God cares about them. And he listened. They listened. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how God's going to return blessing on you through your obedience. Because maybe God's asking you to give more time. Not just finances, time. Are you giving more time to him? Not just reading your Bible, but are you, are you doing things in his name? We're connected with many partners that could use your help in their ministries that they do. Are you, that's a way to give all of who you are to him. But are we giving joyfully? Second Corinthians 9 says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So this morning again, God wants to be first in our lives. When we do give, we should give joyfully. And third, Let's recognize that we're giving to God. That we're doing this for Him. Not for anybody else. For Him. We see in Matthew chapter 6 that if we give so others can see us and praise our generosity, our desires are for the worldly status and not for ourselves, for God. There's another portion where this story is told in one of the other gospels and it talks about how when the the other when these um, when these rich people threw their coins in it made such a loud noise they intentionally threw the coins in to make loud noise so people go oh somebody's giving who is it that's giving oh it's it's brother bob what a fantastic man brother brother bob's such an amazing guy did you hear how much money he put in 
God doesn't want that. It doesn't please God how much noise we make when we put in. What pleases God is that our attitude and our hearts line up with what he's asking out of us. See, this widow was willingly willing to give God all she had, trusting him to take care of her, as opposed to the rich who contemplate how much they can give without being inconvenienced. God wants our hearts this morning. My hope is that you can give him all of yourself this morning. Father, we just we take a moment and we come to you. God, we love you. Lord, it's, I recognize and I admit that it is, it is a challenge some days, many days, to follow you 100%. Sometimes I'm just stuck in an old attitude or a habit or thought pattern. But Lord, this morning, God, I want to just come to you. Say, Lord, make me new. Remove the old habits. Remove the old thought processes. And start a new one. That when I give, it's out of joyfulness and a desire to love you. Not to have a name put up somewhere, not to have a grand plaque or, or whatever. But God, so you are pleased and happy with my gift because it comes out of an attitude just love you. This morning, Lord, challenge our hearts to love you with everything we have. Just want to give an opportunity with everybody's eyes closed. If you're in here this morning, say, hey, I, I also struggle with giving God 100% of my life. Pastor Brandon, would you just pray for me this morning to help me get to that spot where I can give 100% to God on a daily basis. If that's you, could you just lift up your hands? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, thank you. Lord, I just, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning that have raised their hands and said, God, I know it's a struggle, but Lord, I, I want to get better at giving you 100%. Lord, I pray that you just speak to them now. God, if, even if, if they're at 50%, God, you don't expect us to get to 100 by tomorrow, but it's a journey, it's a process, it's, it's a continuous walk to get to that 100%. So Lord, I pray that they would have the faith and the courage to step out in obedience and start walking in the direction you want for them. Thank you, God. Thank you for speaking to them. Thank you for revealing more of yourself. Love you, Jesus.